Test, 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 test. Hey, we're back for another Eastern Target Archery podcast. I'm George Tekmanchev here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson, and uh, we are back in action, man. Man, we really have that down. Well, we've had some practice. That, that entry. Yeah, yeah. We've had some practice. How have things been? I don't know. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're just kind of in, in holding mode right now, waiting to see what happens with events. Everything is in holding right now. Yeah. Let's see. It feels uh, that way. You know? Today uh, is what? November 6th? We yeah. don't know who our next president is. Yeah. We don't it, know what our next archery event is. Well, I'm more interested in the archery events right now because, honestly, I, I have too much stress over the whole presidential <laughs> thing to really even want to look at anything. People go, who won the election? I say, nobody won. Nobody won Everybody yet. lost. One way or another. The Dow Jones is flat. The NASDAQ is flat. The S&P 500 is flat. Nothing is happening right now. Everybody's on hold. Everybody's on hold. Including Bruce Cull, who's organizing the Vegas shoot. I think December 10th is when we're expecting to see some uh, update of what's going to happen with Vegas this year. Go ahead right now. I'll just call it. Just go ahead and push it back to like May. Well, it's an interesting theory, right? I mean, let's say that, let's say that they don't feel comfortable putting Vegas on in February. Doesn't it make sense? To have an alternate event a little later when things maybe are going a little smoother. I mean, that might actually make sense. That's how I would do it. You know what? If I were Bruce, I would just say, I'm the, the uh, gorilla in this room. We're going to do Vegas whenever we want to do Vegas. Well, And all the rest of you tournaments can fall in around us or get out the way. Well, I mean, That's you know. That's what I would do. I, look, at Here's the thing. He, he's a consensus guy, right? So he's got to get the consensus of a bunch of different entities out there. But at the same time, he's a pragmatic guy. He knows everybody's going to want to have something. And the question is, if we have Vegas as it stands right now, it won't be the same. Just like with uh, our interview with Rob Koffold revealed, you know, it won't be the same as what we've been used to. Uh, there's going to be some uh, restrictions on the number of people that can enter. There's obviously going to be restrictions as things stand right now on how many rooms the South Point can actually put out. They've got 2,400 rooms. They cannot put out more than 1,200 of them. They hmm. cannot rent more than 1,200 of those rooms. Blame. So, yeah. but it is what it is. And, you know, I, I, I respect the reasons behind it. It's just a matter of um, if we want to have a Vegas shoot that we're used to as Vegas, maybe, maybe having it later might make sense presuming there's not a bunch of other stuff in the way on the calendar right right which is kind it's, of a big presumption right now yeah i mean i would uh i would just uh, my plan would be let's have it in may i think that or push um, it back whatever do it whenever you want in the year but for 2021 let's not go well it's outdoor season let's just say it's archery season and we're going to hold the events that are the best events whenever we can hold those events it's an uh, interesting thought. I'll shoot anywhere, anytime. I won't shoot outdoors in Utah in December. No. <laughs> no. The, the weather would probably be a little beyond what we would want for yeah. that purpose. But, you know, life goes on. Entry is open for the first remote stage of the, uh, the World Indoor Series, the Indoor World Series. And... It seems to me that, um, you know, just like a lot of other events, they are following the pattern. They are using uh, a combination of virtual events and then hopefully real stuff, starting with Neem, which as of our speaking right now is still on the agenda. Neem is uh, going to take place uh, 16, 17 January if everything continues to go the way that we hope it does in Neem, France. And then uh, the final stage of that's supposed to be in Vegas, 13th and 14th of February. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. Are you planning on going to Neem? If uh, I haven't signed up, yeah. 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 So we've got that. And um, going to Robbie's event? I'm, yeah, I will sign up. Okay. So the, uh, the event November, for... November 9th? I think so. That's a, it's a fairly limited window. As, as Rob Koffold mentioned in our last podcast, the window for the... Lancaster Classic is open uh, the evening, I believe, of November the 9th. So uh, keep that on your calendars and stay on it because it is limited entry this year, unfortunately. And um, I do expect that it will fill up pretty quick once 
that window opens. Yeah. Kind of like ordering an iPhone this morning for people who wanted the great big iPhone. Did you order one? No. I have, uh, I have a normal size iPhone because I have normal size pockets. Hmm. I, I do have the uh, new one, though. So the, Which model is it's that? It's a 12 Pro. Whoa, 12 Pro. Yeah. And uh, it's, got the, uh, it's got the LiDAR scanner on it. I don't know wh- what possible use I have for it. The couple of things that I've tried to use it for, like measuring things, are, aren't that accurate. So I don't know who LiDAR is or why you'd want to scan him. But. I'll tell you what it does do a good job of is it takes a great job taking photos in low light because the LiDAR lets it focus better. So it's nice for that. You can actually take portrait photos in low light now, although I have no idea why you wouldn't just throw a light on your subject if you're actually taking a portrait photo this is important for archery instagram uh-huh so if you're going hey what what is this you're not talking about archery yeah we are you know a friend of mine we got are. a friend of mine got deleted from facebook because he reposted somebody else's meme of a mask thing in fact he's he's very much in favor of wearing masks but he posted a a meme that you could kind of take either way and facebook blew him away like eliminated away. eliminated his account weird this morning i couldn't believe it i was like wow that's really draconian but that's what they do be careful what you say be careful what you say how you say it and who you say it to i guess must be the new message they are listening or watching or the or more likely some bot is going after certain (laughs) certain elements but boy that was that was summary judgment right there they didn't even give him a chance to explain himself or or anything it was just you're gone bye you know that's how we should handle uh, judging in archery. Oh, yeah. You make a mistake as a yeah. judge, you're gone. Bye. No, well, that. And the ju- the, here's the one thing I really hate about a lot of professional archers. They get the arrow call, and the, the judge walks up, and they try to, like, lobby for what they, why they think it's in. So the first thing they do is try to put a, a reason that the arrow is in in the judge's mind. Rather than just letting them walk up, Make the call and leave. They should stand two meters away and not say a word. Right. Let the judge deal with it. I'm going to start Identify which archer. Say, and then... No, not even which archer. Just say that arrow. Call well, that okay, arrow. yeah, good point. Whatever. But, you know. Um, but what I'm going to start doing is if guys lobby for why it's in, I'm going to step in and lobby for why it's out. I'm going to be like, well, we think it's out because it's not touching the line. What, happens in, what happens in baseball? They get thrown out when you argue balls and strikes. What happens in tennis? I don't know. I think in tennis, they can fine you if you argue too much with the umpire. I don't know. Um, or the line judge probably. or the cyclops or whatever they use. Bless Serena Williams. Well, all of that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then you have guys who, when the arrow gets called out, they want to know why. If I'm a judge, I'm just saying, why is it? And this happened to me once. I called the guy's arrow out. He goes, well, why do you think it's out? I said, because it's not touching the line. And he said, he's like, well, well yeah. I guess he wanted further explanation, but he didn't need it. That was it. Yeah. Arrow's not in. It's not touching the line. Now what's your answer? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a millimeter out of the line. What's your, you have a response yeah. to that? Some guys, though, they feel like they can lobby or bully or whatever. Oh, I've certainly judge. heard. I've certainly heard of instances where shooters supposedly bullied shall we say, less experienced shooters on their target butt to call arrows oh, in. Oh, that and, happens and, all the time. Yeah. You know, people get intimidated by the fact they're shooting with so-and-so. That's one of the reasons why people hate the, uh, or the USA indoors because you, you often get a great shooter shooting with, like, Joad kids, and they're going to get whatever call they want. On the other hand, it's a great experience for those Joad kids to be able to shoot with some of the great shooters out there. So there's a balancing act, right? What you don't want is to give the Joad kids the experience of, well, this guy is so-and-so, and therefore he gets whatever call he wants. That's yeah, a bad that's message. that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. I think it happens at Lancaster, too. Well, yeah, you split the pros. We don't even need, need to name an event. It happens. Right. If, right? if you have top-level shooters shooting with new archers or, you know, hobbyist amateurs... Well, they're they're going to be able to be convincing in many scenarios. Well, yeah. So take it back to the, you know how this rabbit hole started. I mean, we were talking about how some people try to. Well, you brought it up. You brought up a very good point, and that is that some people try to plant in the mind of a judge how things ought to swing. Yeah. Well, the only people I know who are pretty much immune to that kind of thing are WA judges, and if you can 
have a WA judge look at this thing objectively and pull out their magnifying glass and flashlight and whatever and step away with a call, that should be the end of story. But it's not because you know what else you see? You'll see that same athlete that maybe didn't get their call step up there with their iPhone, snap mm-hmm. a picture, put it up on social media and say, I got robbed. Look, you can yeah. see it's touching the line because of the angle they took or whatever. Well, there are times where I think the judges are super wrong. There but, are times. Judges are, judges are people too, right? Here's the issue. If you're on a bail with three other archers and they all call it out. I've, ne- I've never been on a bail with other guys where all three of them – Eh, I take that back. I have day two at USA nationals where everybody's peer grouped. They're pretty, they, they aren't going to give you anything, but let's say you're at a world cup where you're just in a random group of dudes and you're not from the same country because they split that up. If you have an arrow that's in, somebody's going to call it in. If they all think it's out. Okay. It's going to get called out and then you get to go get your judge. But if they all, if someone thinks it's in, you don't have to worry about that. So there are instances where the judge just makes a horribly bad call. And, and I'll, take, I'll take one for example. I thought uh, in the shoot-off, or the lucky dog, Stefan Hansen's arrow, right? And he did take a photo and put it up. Yeah. But that was a different scenario where you don't have archers judging archers. Right. There was one person judged, and he said, this is some BS, I want another look. And I thought he was entitled to that. But when you're on the regular qualification field, you've had three other people look at it. Then you get the judge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, look, again, as long as we have human beings involved here and we're not using the uh, type of system that tennis uses, you know, with the uh, Cyclops camera on the yeah. on the baseline or, or whatever, or, you know, even the effort that's been made to um, use automated scoring in WA. Right. Right. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you still have a judge making the call on those targets. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, sooner or later, it might come down to if the machine says it's out, it's out. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Did you ever, uh, I'm sure you have, but have someone on your target who everybody calls it out and they go, well, I'm going to get a judge. They say this. Yeah, I think it's out too, but I'm going to get a judge and see what they say. Oh, you yeah. You ever had someone? Yeah. Yeah, I will personally belittle scorn and do everything in my power to make that person feel stupid i remember you just said your own arrows out but you want to get a judge no you don't get to get a judge at that point you called your arrow out yeah you know but stuff happens right i mean there's a situation where you have and this is not the same as what you brought up this is the opposite I, i have been on targets with people and and all of us except that person had a consensus that it was, the arrow was out. And in this case, I'm not exaggerating. The arrow was a minimum three to four millimeters out. I'm not, not even close. Well out, yeah. Well out. Mm-hmm. Like drive a truck between the line and the shaft out. The archer in question, who was a, a fairly famous archer, insisted on getting a judge. So he called for the judge. This is at the Vegas shoot. Mm-hmm. So this is not a WA judge. You know, this is an NFAA judge. Some guy. The judge, a lady, walks past. Some lady. Dips her head, continues walking, and goes, there by the grace of God, it's in, and walks away. Wow. It wasn't even close to being in. Then I would publicly scorn, belittle, and do everything to make that person feel stupid for having called that. Other than naming them, I'm doing that right now. I would have named them. Because if they hear this, they know who they are. Yeah. But it was the most... um, you know jarring. what I like? It to was do. jarring. It was jarring because it, it really affects the integrity of the event. Yeah. It, anyway. When people say they're going to call for a judge on one that's clearly out, I say, you're going to cry wolf on that one? Like, really? You're yeah. gonna, that's the one you're going to ask for? Yeah. You get that judge twice. Now, at Vegas, it doesn't matter. Once you miss the one, and, whatever. And, and just for reference, Don Rabska and I were two of the guys on that target that said it was out. Mm-hmm. Don Rabska doesn't know when an arrow's out. I don't know when an arrow's out. Please. Come on. But, I mean, it was not even One of my other favorite close. things to do in that scenario, when someone wants a judge on one that's clearly out, and, you know, a thousand, uh, 999 times out of 1,000, the judge calls it out, right, other than your scenario. So what I like to do is say, okay, and I write down nine on the scorecard in front of their face, and I put the scorecard on the ground. 
because it's done. I don't need to wait for the judge. The arrow is out. You're wasting all of our time. Yeah. So I like to do that. And here you go. Show them. Look them right in the face. People are uncomfortable with that. No. But at the same time, I mean, you got to stand your ground if you know you're right. Yeah. I can't and stand people who are, they, they can't accept the results of their shot. Right. And at the same time, I will be as generous as I can be within the rules. Right. If I think it's in. It's if in. I think it's in, and I think that, you know, if I reconstruct the line it's in, I will give it to them every time. Shadow of a doubt. You know, I, I don't go quite as far as Korean judges are reputed to have gone in years past when they say, well, we're applying the target tolerance to this, and it's a millimeter out, and the tolerance is a millimeter, so it's in. <laughs> but, well, that's happened. Yeah, but no. but, the, but they're, they apply that to everybody. You know, yes, I mean, but, it was fair for the event that they were at. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's in or it's out. Come on. Yeah. You know, and until we have some kind of definitive electronic scoring system that is beyond reproach. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've had numerous people, a person who I'll say this much, a person who I share a world record with that wasn't real wild. So you can figure out who that was. Did that. They said. Well, I think it's out, but I'm going to call for the judge. Why? See if they'll say it's in. Why? Just, just. I said, so you're, you're telling me you're willing, you feel good about the fact that you're hopeful that the judge is a complete moron or blind. And that's how you're hopeful that you're going to get the score. Because three other people, four really, because he's including himself in this group. Right. Said it's out. Yeah. Now you expect a judge to come in and yeah. come up with something different. And, think, and what does that mean if they do? Yeah, it means you're blatantly cheating to me. If, you're accept, if you accept that, then you suck. And if you say that, to me, if you say that, you have just called your arrow out. You cannot call for a judge on an arrow you called out that is yours. That's now, my rule. I will say this, though. Let me back up. You know, just like golf, I think there's a lot of honor among archers. I think there's honor among golfers. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. For the most part. I mean, for, for the 99.99th percentile, I think archers are generally honest people. Mm -hmm. Because you know what happens when people figure out that you're not, you get revealed pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, you get a reputation and there are people in our sport in the past who've had a reputation and were outed for their behavior and are no longer an active part of the sport, partly because of that. Another fun one that I see from time to time just happened recently where you're on the target, right? You got four guys scoring and a guy let's say like an NFAA event where you typically have one scorer, right? And then you have like two uh, fact checkers, we'll call them, and then one person writing. So the, the guy scoring um, got to one of his own arrows, looked at it, and didn't even ask us to look at it, just went straight to the judge. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and write down nine for this one. Because if you're not even asking me to take a peek, you obviously know that I'm going to say it's out. Right. So you're just hopeful that the judge will be dumb. Right. Or overlook the thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> rolling the Something dice on stupid. rolling the dice on human human error. Yeah. Chris White told me a funny story one time. He said uh, he said he had one of his own that he called out, and the guys on his group were like, "No, we think it's it. You better." And he was like, "Okay, whatever." So they called the judge for his own. And he's like, I, don't, I didn't think it was in. And obviously, maybe, here's where this is okay. His group thought it was in. But the judge came down the line and said, oh, Chris, you've traveled so far. We'll give it to you. <laughs> he said they were out of the event anyways. It did not matter. But he said he died laughing when the guy said that. Wow. You've come so far. We'll give it to you. I, that's, uh, that's a jaw dropper right there. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. Because I traveled further or because I went far in the event, I Tra get a freebie? Traveled further because he traveled further. I suppose ah, the thing that makes it morally okay is the fact that, I mean, Chris called it out himself. Right. But the rest of the people on his butt said it was in. That's what I'm saying. But you what know, the judge said to justify it, that, that's... That he, judges should just keep their mouths shut. Call the arrow and walk away. And they usually do, right. to be fair. Usually. Yeah. There shouldn't be any discussion or whatever. It's going to be spring before uh, changing, changing gears here. It's going to be spring before we know who's on the U.S. Olympic team. Um, for it's gonna be summer, right? But Korea has already started the cut process. So did Japan. So 
Korea has named their Olympic pool top 32 right now. Mm. And um, that's interesting because... Heard Kibo Bay's on there. I believe that might be the case. Yeah. I, you know, she's, been, she's married. She's had a child now. Still. And that didn't stop... Still balling. That didn't stop anybody in her, you know, of her predecessors um, who've been in similar circumstances. You know, they... they um, Kim Soon-young, famously... Um, left the sport, had two children, came back to the sport, won Olympic bronze. You know, that kind of thing. I so, just want to say I'm super comfortable right here in this chair. You look comfortable. I'm leaned back in one chair with my head on the back of another chair. It's great. Well, you look, you look comfy because uh, I, I guess you tweaked your back a little bit, huh? I'm not sitting that way because of my back. I'm just sitting that way, this way because, I don't know. I can. There will be a photo on the Easton Target Archery Facebook to demonstrate yeah. exactly Steve's current posture, which is unique, shall we say? <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. If this wasn't such a nice table, I'd probably throw my feet up on it. But I have respect for the table. Do you know what it took to make the cut for the recurve men in Korea? Out of how many points? Out of the 720. 720, I'm going to guess it was uh, 674. 677. So that was pretty good. You were pretty yeah, darn pretty close, close, though, Steve. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a very so good to make, guess. And that was top 32? To make the men's top 32, 677. How many went over 680? Uh, oh, that's an excellent question, and I don't know the exact answer. By the way, Kuban Chan was eliminated after finishing 53rd with a 667. He would be like number two in the U.S. <laughs> he would be number two, maybe to Brady, with a six sixty-seven. Yeah, maybe Jack. Jack's been yeah, shooting Jack's really been shooting well. well. But but Kubon Chan would be a lock for the Olympic team, and with Kubon Chan, Jack, and Brady, they'd be a very competitive team. The way they did this was they shot um, two hundred and sixteen arrows. So what they you know you have to go off arrow average for this. So Kubon Chan, who ranked fifty-third had a 9.26 point average per arrow. 53rd with a 667. That is insane. You needed to shoot a 9.4 arrow average to make the top 32. The women, 671. That's insane. That is amazing. And, and that's a 9.32 arrow average. What was the high, what was the high score? I, I'm looking for that, but... You know, here's the thing. I mean, this is brutal, brutal. Think about, think about the, there are 30, there are 51 shooters in Korea better than Kuban Chan. Man, men. And I mean, 50, 52 of them are better. He finished 53rd. And he's great. He'd be number one in almost any other country. Almost any other country. Takahara Furukawa placed first in the rankings at the Japanese Nationals this past weekend with about a 680. So he would have made the cut. And he would have made the cut in Korea. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Make the cut, probably not make the team. No, that would be difficult to make the team. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about the numbers. It's, it is, it's insane. Now, here's the thing. The, um, that was a total of 97 men and 97 women. So Kuban Chan was below the 50% cut line. Think about what they're doing right now, though. They are getting after it in oh, a year yeah, where a lot yeah, of yeah, other yeah. countries are not doing anything. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's why they're going to win everything. They're putting, working for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mortgage my house and bet. They are working for it. No bet taken because they're, they're, they're working harder right now, I would argue, than anybody else. Now, I mean, we have a Gator Cup going right now. There's probably like 30 people there. And yeah, and I guarantee you none of them are going to be shooting, even Brady, uh, that kind of score because it's a windy event, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult event. You can't compare scores it might across be worth events. As but... we speak, but no. But, but you know, you've got to look at the fact that this was done over time, and I think that it was – it just – you look at what the Koreans are doing and how many capable shooters they've got, and it just – is mind-boggling and on top of that um you know you've got people like uh, kang che young shooting a 692 ranking round recently um oh jin hyuk is the uh, is the leader right now in the selection process for korea um and and you know you you think about that that's pretty impressive because you're looking at a situation where um 
you know, Ojin Hyuk is, is not the young guy he used to be. He's got a shoulder injury, and he's number one on that team where a score that would win US, any U.S. event wouldn't get you in the cut line, and, and that's pretty impressive. Uh, Chang Hai Jin and Kibo Bay and Choi Misun all are still in the running, but they've also got some very talented youngsters coming in there. And I think that the, um, the other impressive thing is that uh, a young lady named Ryu Su Jung was shooting a 9.53 per arrow for a 686, ended up the second recurve archer in history to get a 1400 pin. Oh Jin Hyuk uh, not wasting his time. He's, he's shooting as well as, as anybody right now. But uh, it is a 16-year-old high school student, Kim Jae-duk, who is the high-scoring guy, a 693 for um, you know, the equivalent uh, score based on what he's doing with 9.62 points per arrow. And um, you know this, this Korean team um, is on the legacy of the Korean squad at the Rio Games where the country claimed four gold medals for the first time in history. And Now they can get five. Yeah. And <laughs> with a mixed team and all that, yeah. I mean, you know, you're looking at... Um, Five opportunities to gamble on Korea. It's incredible. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at... Uh, and, and by the way, the compound side. You know, you and I used to have conversations about, well, what are the Koreans doing in compound? And I said, once Asian Games adapted compound, which they did, that you'd see Korea come on pretty strong. And they have. I mean, quite frankly, the Korean process has working just as well for compounds as it has historically for recurves. They're just, I would argue, maybe, you know, 20 years behind where the recurve shooters are, but that still puts them very high in the pantheon of compound shooters. The problem they face in compound is the ceiling is lower. And there's less wiggle room. Yeah, you you shoot a a great day and you're going to shoot a 710. You shoot a mediocre day and you're going to shoot a 705. And there's going to be 40 people between you. At some events, not 40, but, you know, it's just not, it's just, it's just harder to dominate compound. It is. And, you know, I think that um, the nature of it is that um, you can put the amount of work in that you can put into recurve with compound and doesn't get you anything. You don't get enough. You have to actually work harder on the mental side. I think you probably ruin yourself shooting that much. It's just the, the real issue is in compound, our outdoor world record is two points off perfect. Right, right. It's 18. What's going to happen? In They're going to have to make the target smaller like they do in ISSF competition, or, right? Yeah, or move it further. Right. Shoot at 60 meters. Yeah, and I think a lot of compound people I know, men and women both, would prefer to shoot longer distance. Yeah, because you can separate the pack. I mean, I remember, and we've talked about this before, but that's okay. I remember at uh, Shanghai a few years ago, I think it was the year we set the world record and the team world record. And uh, there was like literally 43 people shot over 700. You know, it was just ridiculous. And uh, however many people shot over 710, it was crazy. So it's just compound, just not a game where there's much to give. So you can't take much either. You know, right now you shoot a 680 recurve, you're, you're up there. Yeah. One of the few. Yeah. Shoot a 690 and you're in very limited club and then, but yeah, it, it's uh But you got to be in the 710s with a compound to yeah. be anywhere near that same level. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. You it's know, just looking, harder for any one individual to consistently dominate. No, I agree. But you know, the thing is the Koreans are, they, they're building that pyramid correctly. I think they've got uh, Kim Jong-ho uh, number one on that team right now for the compound men. He's been shooting on the team for quite a while. You got Choi Yong Hee for his eighth consecutive season on the team. Uh, you got Yang Jae Won, and then there's a newcomer, uh, a fellow named Choi Yun Kyu. Um, They're all good guys, too. Yeah, I, I married one of. Them. I think there was the third one you named. He calls him. He tells us his name something else, and I can't remember what it was. Yang Jae Won, um, or Choi Yong Hee. Maybe, I don't remember. Well, anyway, the point is... He that, told me his name's Danny or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was one of those. Yeah, I think that's Choi. He said, I'm Danny. Yeah. I said, oh, cool. Yeah. He was really nice. Shot with him at Nîmes on practice day at the club, yeah. you know, super nice kid. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're cool people. I mean, a lot of them are former recurve shooters, too, so yeah. they appreciate, you know, I mean, I think they're all former recurve shooters. 
ones that couldn't make the cut. <laughs> right. In some cases, though, some of these shooters are shooters who had been, especially on the women's side, competitive women's recurve shooters who picked up the compound bow. Um, and, you know, you've got a number of those. Uh, Song Yun Su comes to mind and uh, So Che Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they all were high level recurve shooters and, um, the compound women's squad is, uh, headed up by the winners of the 2017 and the 2015 world championships, Song Yun Su and Kim Yun Hee and So Che Wan, who's been there for a while. Yeah, she's really good. She's the one who speaks really good English. She does. And she's just a lovely person. She's just a marvelous individual. You, I, I've always been very impressed with her. You could see when they were going to be good when... She would come and ask us a lot of questions about the equipment. Yes. A lot and incisive questions. Yes. Not like stupid questions, but and then it would be one question and then they would go and talk about it. And then it would be another. And she wasn't annoying about it. No. Just a lot of questions. They were wanting to learn more. And you're like, they're gonna have this figured out pretty soon. Yeah. Because any advantage you had over them was purely equipment. Yeah. And understanding that. And it wasn't necessarily you know, you weren't going to outwork them. No, it's that one or two point difference you can get by dialing things in a certain yeah. way, getting the draw length perfectly right, maybe your cam timing perfectly right, things of that nature. Yep. And, and the thing you got to remember is she's 22 years old. So Che Wan's 22. Uh huh. She seems. She seems more mature than that. But she's, I was going to say more mature because that's a nicer way to say older when you're talking about a lady. She's 22 years old. Huh. So think about the potential she has for a lengthy com- career in compounded, in particular, where injury is somewhat less common. Yeah. You know? And, and I think you're looking at uh, a long potential legacy in, in Korea as they continue their effort to, uh, to get on top of the compound world. Well, it showed how serious they are about the sport. I mean, when everyone else is like, oh, it's okay, let's take the year off. They're like, no, we're going to, all that ground you, if you made up any ground on us in the last year, we're taking it all back and then a lot more this year, you know. They're just going to advance, advance, advance while everyone else is going to go, oh, let's be safe. And don't worry, guys, I know, it's scary. Don't practice. So, whatever. You know, one of the big things behind the um, compound effort in Korea is the fact that they've got a powerful sponsor, and that is yeah. Hyundai Mobis, which is uh, one of the Hyundai companies. And um, I believe, I think a total of three or four of the women shoot for uh, Hyundai Mobis. On the, on the men's side, you have Hyundai Steel, yeah. which is uh, Ojin Hyuk's sponsor on the recurve side. Hyundai Steel is uh, behind the pro team for the men. So I think that that is a huge benefit that the Koreans have that, yeah. that you don't see as much of in other countries. They're into it. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you know, if you look at our uh, basketball team. Right, right. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Where does the money go? It goes to the sports they like. So, so yeah, there's no question that, that they're working at it. As you said, while everybody else is maybe in a in a mode of duck and cover right now which you can't really blame people for on a certain level um the koreans are still working hard at this yeah and, and i'm probably wrong saying that. there's probably a lot of people busting their butt you know i know i know like uh you know a jack a casey coffle brady they're all still working hard oh yeah for sure and, and i'm not by no means am i saying there aren't as i pointed out to you Furukawa just shot himself a 680 and he's been mm-hmm. you know he's on top of his game and um, Hayakawa Ren, Ren Hayakawa, she just uh, shot a high score to win the Nationals in Japan this past weekend. I think we'll see some good scores coming out of Gator Cup, uh, which is going on as we speak. But I also think that, you know, a lot of people are not feeling as motivated to go out there and, and work as hard at this stuff as they can. And all I can say is next season's coming up sooner or later. And when it does, you don't want to be caught short, especially on the recurve side. Especially you know. in the Olympic season. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. much different for them than a compounder. Yeah. But yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting when people, a lot of people, I think their mindset is still stuck in March. When everything sh- slowed down, they were like, okay, here I am, you know. And it's like, well, a lot of people have moved well beyond that. And pretty soon it's going to be June 2021 you're going to be going oh freak yeah one month from the olympic games the olympics are on yeah exactly 
So, you know, you got Casey working hard. You got yeah, Brady I mean, working hard. I'm sure that... Uh, the trials people have to turn it on. They have to be right, ready. Right, You know, and I'm sure that uh, everybody's very interested in dealing with the process that will get another team slot, uh, hopefully, another chance at a team slot for the United States. Um, pretty much do or die uh, as, you know, basically a month out from the games. So how about the people who awarded the spot already? You know, I mean, that's the ones you'd have to be concerned about because they're like, well, I got the spot, whatever. Well, let's look at it this way. I mean, Japan is is very um, much in the mode of a reset from the standpoint of their trials process, Mm -hmm. as an example. They're, They're assured of a spot because of the host country for the games, but they're still working hard to make sure they can make that team. And that might be one way for some countries to have handled what you just described. Right. Right? I mean, think of it. Eleanor Richter has retired. Mm-hmm. Right? So Germany had a slot. And Eleanor was a vital part of getting that slot at the... They had a team spot. Uh, a team slot, yeah. yeah. At the World Championships, right? Yeah. So, so now someone's out there like, hey, sweet. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody has to be looking to try to replace Elena's place in the pantheon of German female shooters because Elena is, is retired. And, and apparently she's made that decision. She's recently gotten married and she's going on with her life because, you know, it just was a long road to hoe to, to well, continue of, to train at that level. Yeah, And think about there's people who had made plans like, okay, in 2021, I'm going to go to school because I'm done after 2020. Well, I mean, think they, about, they can't change those plans Yeah, or there's other stuff involved and they're like, no, I, it was fun, but. I've similarly, move on. similarly, you look at Toya and Brady, right? Yeah. I mean, they were planning on having a child after the Tokyo Olympic Games. Nope. Which is, you know, now it's <laughs> the baby's still on the way, but the games are not yet. So, yeah. So that kind of thing. And uh, it's nice talking to Brady once in a while. He, uh, he's so excited and uh, happy for, oh, yeah. for that situation. I think the, the baby will be coming in December. So I... I had this conversation with Brady. I think some folks that listen to the podcast probably heard it, but you know, the, the first thing Brady's planning to do is give a golf club to that baby. Good call. Yes. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I'm just saying. A lot more money in the golfs. Speaking of which. The masters. The masters is coming up, huh? There are lessons to be learned on the metal side of archery from the masters think of how much effort how important the masters are to the top golfers it's the vegas it's the olympics it's the the vegas it's all of them in one. now golf is in the olympic games i guarantee you there's not one golfer that takes olympic golf as seriously no as the masters if you said you can be an olympic gold medalist or you can win a green jacket green jacket all picking the green jacket they're all picking and that's aside from the millions of dollars that go with it that's completely they aside don't care. From, they have that has money. everything to do with the prestige of that event if you're capable of winning a green jacket the couple million bucks that go with it is not a thing for you and that is why golf does not belong in the olympic games or any other sport we're an Olympic gold. Is, we're an Olympic sport, and if mm-hmm. it's an Olympic sport, but the Olympics are not the most important thing in that sport, I would argue yeah. it doesn't belong in the games. I mean, you could say that about basketball. Yes, I could. But here's the thing: golf, uh, get behind. All right, whatever. And I don't think golf would care if they pulled it from the Olympics. Basketball would be very bad for the Olympics. That's one of the most watched events. I think that the use of professional athletes in basketball is the mistake that was made back in 92. Yeah, but when you get a Kobe Bryant going to Beijing Olympics and he is by far the most popular person there, that makes the Olympics. And he may have also been the only athlete that went to those games that actually took it as, this is important to me. He wanted to be in the Olympic Games. He was crazy about everything. Right. So, but, but I'm just saying, in general terms, yeah. and this is not to ding basketball, and it's not to ding soccer, no, and it's not basketball. to ding tennis, but is the, is the Olympic gold the most important thing in tennis? I no. mean, I forget it's even in tennis. Okay. And when they list an athlete's accomplishments, they tack on the Olympic medals at the very end. Right. So, yeah, get rid of tennis. Soccer, no. Who cares? No one's blowing a vuvuzela at the Olympic Games, Okay. Leave the soccer in the World Cup. And I think there's a, you know, there's a list of sports. So 
if Compound were in the Olympic Games and you had a chance at an Olympic gold medal or a Vegas championship, which one of those two would be more important to Steve Anderson? Olympic gold medal. Okay. Do you know anybody that would question that? Maybe, maybe one or two folks. People, maybe, maybe, maybe. That's only because that's how we think. Right. We're so established in that way of thinking. But my point is, look, compound, recurve gets to shoot both, and they are all about the Olympics. True. Right. So, whatever. Right. And and that's my point. Compound deserves to be in the Olympic Games more than basketball, than tennis, than tennis, than soccer. soccer. Yeah. That's it. it, it then certainly are, than golf. Yeah. Soccer's in there because you have a five billion soccer fans in the world. Okay. Tennis could probably go. But people love their tennis and people in positions of power like tennis. But it's not the most important event in that sport. But I guarantee someone a lot of people in the IOC are in tennis clubs. Uh, no argument there because you're right. But yeah. at the end of the day, Okay, I get it. I understand why these sports are in the games. They are revenue enhancers, certainly, from the standpoint of television. But I honestly believe that if Compound gets into the Olympic Games, the Olympic Games will be the most important thing to Compound oh, athletes, yeah. just like it is to recurve athletes. Track and field, Olympics. Right. Cycling? How about cycling? Tour de France comes to mind for that segment of cycling. But certainly, yeah, like the mountain if you're a pursuit cyclist... I don't even know what that is. Well, I'm saying it's you know, one of those, then the Olympic Games has got to be the pinnacle. I like the, what's the indoor the velodrome? Or yeah, whatever. that's one of the that things. That's cool. Yeah. That's one but, of the events. Um, in the what, else, what else is in the Olympics that shouldn't be? Probably quite a few things that you and I haven't thought about because we're not involved in those sports. Yachting. Is yachting the thing that belongs in the Olympic Games? <sighs> that might be a holdover to. Some of the other equestrian where like this horse has to go in an X pattern and then do like a leg lift. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to diss on the equestrians because it's so far outside of my experience that I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. But again, it's one of those things that was probably it, in because a King liked it. If we take the argument too far, we're not going to have anything but the decathlon at the Olympic Games. Yeah. It'll just be some dude standing with a, a leaf over his junk, throwing a discus. <laughs> <laughs> like any statue you'd see in Greece. <laughs> That's it. There's your equipment. You have a discus and, a, and a fig leaf. <laughs> oh lordy! So if you look at the uh, if you look at the calendar, Gator Cup is actually the last item on the World Archery calendar for this year, as far as you know, um, premier events. Yeah, and that pretty well means that the season will wrap up. What is if I may ask, what does your training plan look like for getting ready for presumably the next event being Lancaster Classic? Mm, well, uh, and, and, and by the way, I think we've got a few others in between that are more regional events, right? Yeah, I mean, there will always be that local stuff. And they've canceled some of the local stuff here already. Is the Idaho one going to take place? Probably. What I don't about? know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'll probably start shooting here. Around Thanksgiving, I don't know. This is a time of year where, in a typical year, I'd be about a week away from uh, Kings of Archery, so right. I'd, be, I'd be just getting going. Right. But I'd shoot Kings of Archery, and then I probably wouldn't touch my bow through Thanksgiving, and then I would start up again end of November, because we have a about a two three week stretch of local good local events like first week of December through utah open and utah idaho open, idaho open some uh, uh spots and flakes usually in there yeah and then and then i probably wouldn't do much until after christmas right right and right. then you're really like then you're getting after it hard right um i'll probably <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do we'll see what local events happen um there is a bit of an irony in that this year you don't you don't have the ata show hanging over your head from a preparation standpoint which yeah. always always interfered with it's your ability to get ready 10 day waste of my life. Um, sorry, we need to edit that out too. <laughs> it's a 10 day, it's 10 days. I don't get back. We don't have to edit it. I don't care. We should probably edit that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we have really turned this show into a mess 
for George to edit. Well, we hardly ever edit anything. I know, but we've just sworn so many. People aren't going to know what we edited out, so we can make it sound like it was whatever. You can do that. It's we've the truth. We've used so much foul language. This is No, there's never been foul <laughs> language in our... You know, I, I, I will say that we are the only archery podcast, with the possible exception of the Lancaster one, where you don't have to worry about foul language. Mm. We've been historically quite good about that. Yeah. Whereas some, some podcasts, some archery podcasts, one in particular that I can think of, is renowned for its use of uh, blue language, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Hey, did you see Brady, uh, Braden Galantine got married? Yeah, I talked to him. So another archery dynasty. Yeah. About to begin. They got married. You know, it's, it. it's the Steve Anderson... We might Linda. have a full team of green cards at the on Team USA at some point. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so now Tanya Jensen is is uh, the wife of yeah. Braden Galantine. Yeah. Linda Ochoa Anderson is already qualified to shoot for the U.S. now. Yeah. Or, yeah. She's she's been released, right? So yeah. she's she's a USA archer. I don't think Tanya or Toya. Toya Ellison plans to shoot for the U.S. Well, Toya is um, still shooting for Slovenia. Tanya is still shooting for Denmark. And then you have. Yeah, the rest of... Are there team. some others? No, that's it. But we, we did joke that, hey, in theory, we could make a team of... A complete team imports. of imported shooters. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a country of imports. It's really funny, though, because in a lot of sports, you see American athletes looking to go elsewhere because they couldn't make a team here. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a track coach who was an Olympic medalist... And he joked with me, uh, he, he said, he, when I was starting into decathlon, I was very athletic, right? But I wasn't very um, flexible. It led to a lot of injuries. And then I, there was just certain events where I struggled because of that lack of flexibility and anyhow. But I had the athletic, the explosive potential to be good at it if over time I could develop those more technique-based events. And he said, we're going to get you in the Olympics, just whether it's for the U.S. or whatever country pays the most money for you. <laughs> we'll find a relative. <laughs> hey, those things happen. Yeah. Oh, man. It happens a lot. You see, you know, at the last Olympics, I remember seeing, um, you know, very British people competing for uh, African countries and stuff like that. And, you know, they've got. Sure. It's not for me to say, hey, that's. Not that's a problem. It's not a problem to me. No, I mean if you're, you're eligible. You're eligible. And you know, let's face it. I mean, athletes have. I mean, if you're not good enough to make the NBA, let's say, there are American athletes playing basketball in Italy and making a living doing it. Full of them, right? That mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I mean, I don't know about right now in the times that we're in, but I mean in general, right? I mean, right. you know, I think that there's plenty of opportunity out there if you're willing to to seek it. You don't have to you know, necessarily be a top athlete. Now, I'll say this. You could bring a, shall we say, third-string Korean shooter to a lot of countries and have them dominate. Well, what's 53 divided by three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> an 18th-string Korean shooter would do pretty darn good Just everywhere else in the world. Well, let's put it this way. You could fill the entire Olympic roster yeah, with the Korean shooters. Team, and it would be a higher total score. It would be. By a lot. By a lot. Yeah, if you went 1 through 64 and of, a, of the last Olympics and added up total score, then you went 1 through 60 of the Korean qualifications and added that up, it would outrank. Oh, no, I think that uh, you, you could go down further than that and still be uh, well within the limits that you just described. I'm so. saying you would only need 60 people. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I picked up what you were laying down. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it's limited the way it is. And, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it just shows you what hard work and support can do for Mm-hmm. Archery performance. Incentive. Speaking of archery performance. Yeah, let's get back on track. I don't know what happened to this podcast. We've got some fun stuff to discuss in the next podcast because yeah. you guys have been working hard on a bunch of cool new stuff. Uh, I, yeah, I forgot. I, I got off track with where we were in the podcast schedule because we did this new product podcast like a month ago, right? Well, it wasn't a month ago, but a couple of weeks. It was recently. Anyway, 
the point is, the next podcast will reveal not just what the new stuff is, but some of the people behind it. This is true. And I think that it'll be a very interesting experience for everybody when they get to listen to you and some of the other folks behind the scenes at Easton as we describe some of the new cool stuff for this upcoming year. I'm going to just give a preview to it, right? So my boss, Clint, is in, the, is in that episode. And if you knew Clint, when Clint gets a hold of something, when he decides this is what I'm into right now, all in, right? He's, he's, like in. The, he's like the pit bull of hobbies. Yeah, and pretty soon he's going to let me do what I... He's going to get into target archery, and be, that'll be what he's into. And we're going to see some cool stuff come down the pipe. I have a feeling. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I, I know what I, where I want some of the product line to go. But Clint will, he, he may make it, you know, he may go above and beyond. or It's going to blow it up one way or the other. It's going to be cool. You know, the interesting thing about Clint is he's always going for the very best stuff in whichever crazy hobby it is that he's engaged in, right? He's always figuring out a better way to do something. Or try to buy himself the best stuff yeah, yeah, to yeah. get yeah. there. I, I remember years ago, I helped him sight in a rifle that he'd spent some ungodly amount of money because the rifle weighed about a pound and a half less than any other rifle in that caliber. I remember this. And, you know, a couple of years later, he bought himself the, the high-end carbon bow from PSE back when they were really expensive because that was the lightest bow and he wanted to go up in the mountains <laughs> with the lightest possible bow. He's got the spreadsheet. Exactly. This is a guy who would spend an extra 300 bucks on a tent because it weighed four ounces less. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, worked on some Eastern tents that went to places like Everest that weighed four ounces less. The e-bikes. Uh, the e-bikes. He, he, he was, wasn't satisfied with the e-bike offerings. Oh, no. He built his own. Built his own. He built his own. Yep. So, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he doesn't settle for good enough. He wants it to be the very best possible thing. Re-geared re his pickup truck. He's one track minded. Right. When he gets on something, you're not getting him off it until he is done. So what's going to be fun will be for all of you who uh, enjoy the podcast uh, or put up with it either way to get acquainted with this fella, Clint Warner, who we will have as our guest, Steve and I on our next podcast. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. What else are we talk? I don't know what we do with this one. I don't know where. We don't often edit the podcast, but we've almost got, never. We've got a mess of stuff in the middle. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. Well, you're going to fix it. <laughs> there are things I, that was the royal we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are things. I feel bad. There are no. It's it's easy. It's it, you know. It's software is amazing these days, man. It's amazing what you can do. Yeah. I can I can make this sound. I if I put the effort in, which I won't. I could make <laughs> this sound like a cohesive, intelligent podcast. Yeah, but we don't want that. <laughs> 